4: from KQED in san francisco i'm alexis madrigal and it's time for another edition of all you can eat with luke sai our collaboration with the KQED food team we always cover different bay area food cultures focusing on the mix of chefs and traditions that you can only find here today we're bringing you something a little bit different this morning we're talking about the influence that manga and anime have had on the food world and vice versa. They're an underappreciated influence on the tastes of whole chunks of the world and we'll bring you a panel of experts who will help us explore this fascinating cultural intersection. That's all coming up next after this news. welcome to forum i'm alexis madrigal we're talking today about the cultural power of manga and anime as we see it in the food world this is of course forums all you can eat with luke sai our bi-weekly collaboration with the food team here at the station and a voyage into the bay area's food cultures first thing for today quick lesson miniature lesson Manga is the printed form, what most Americans would probably call a Japanese comic or graphic novel, and anime is animated entertainment, uh, often originating in manga. But these art forms have evolved to cover a tremendous array of material, including very prominently food. And here to introduce us to this fascinating loop of influence, we're joined, as always, by Luke Sai. Welcome, Luke. Hi, Alexis. Thanks so much. So great to have you. And we're also joined by Deb Aoki, who co-hosts the podcast Manga-splaining and is herself an artist, graphic artist, who previously had a comic strip bento box in the Honolulu Star Advertiser, though, you know, we can now claim her here in Oakland. (laughs) Welcome Deb. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Luke, first thing, did I get the explanation of manga and anime correct? (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> okay.
5: um, I, you know, I think I, you know, like I think a lot of people in the U.S., I started off, um, you know, watching anime, you know, having been exposed to anime a little bit as a kid, you know, when all my friends would watch Dragon Ball Z mm-hmm. um, and, um, you know, got got more into it in the past few years. Um, and then manga, uh, which a lot of the anime are originally based on the comic books, um, is something that later on, um, I got into, and now my entire house is overrun.
4: <laughs> I love it, you know you're not the you're not the only one who's gone down this path, I think uh, uh, Deb, you know, you have this podcast, manga splaining um, do a little manga explaining for us. like what is the role that manga play in Japanese life?
1: Oh, it's kind of hard to overstate it um you know, it's manga is everywhere in Japan. As soon as you get off the plane, it, you, there's manga explanations for almost everything. There's manga posters, um, huge um, manga sections in bookstores. Um, everybody reads manga on their phones, you know, in magazines. It's kind of, it's just, uh, Japan That's is so such a visual culture anyway, but manga is kind of, you know, I think it's hard for Americans to understand if you have this mindset that comics is about superheroes. Uh-huh. In Japan, manga is like movies. It's about anything. It is this
4: kind of wonderful alternative world because, you know, in in U.S. comic culture, we had um, Dan on, you know, graphic novelist, and he was describing this wonderful world of comics that once existed that covered all these different topics but then kind of has been um, channeled, let's call it, into, um, you know, superhero comics. Um, what are the kind of topical ranges that we find in these manga?
1: Oh, my God. Almost anything you can imagine. Um, I brought a manga with me today called Blue Giant. It's about jazz. Um, there's manga about uh, real uh, like social and historical stuff like um, Manga explaining We published a book of fanagraphics called Okinawa, which is about the past, present, and you know current issues facing Okinawa today. Um there's manga about romance, romance, you know, manga about history, manga about like action adventure, pirates, space sci-fi, uh-huh. horror, just you name it, there's a manga about it.
4: And even our topic today, Luke, which is how food figures into this world. I mean, obviously, you are our food editor here at the station, perhaps you're attuned to this. Um, tell us a little bit about how you've seen food show up in this world.
5: Yeah, well, you know, I think sort of um the the entry point into uh want, me wanting to do this episode was um I had recently reported a story um about uh Drops of God which is this uh Japanese wine manga mm-hmm. um uh and you know I, I had been a fan of it for a while and then this spring Apple TV came out with this um pretty amazing lab, live action like trilingual adaptation of it it was like a collaboration between france um disney oh sorry apple tv and um japan um and so i was looking for a way to write about it and i think um caesar hernandez uh the restaurant critic for the uh san francisco chronicle um, tipped me off that Brock Sellers, this um, small natural winery in Berkeley... Beloved by been,
4: people such as your host. Yeah. <laughs>
5: <laughs> uh, that they'd once been featured um, in uh, in this manga. Um, and so I reached out for them, and it turned out that, you know, one mention five years ago um, in this manga, Drops of God, about their Vine star Zinfandel. Um, you know, so really just like a handful of comic panels um, caused their winery to totally blow up in japan you know to go from having kind of like a solid but modest following there um to being this like hot buzzy winery that everyone was talking about and you know so when i when i reported the story and i talked to bridget leary um who's the general manager there um and she told me that to this day like even five years later um they still regularly get tourists um, from Japan, who will fly all the way out to Berkeley to visit their tasting room specifically um, because they saw that wine um, in the manga, and I was just so fascinated by that that, that the idea that um, a manga or anime uh, could make a real-world food item go viral in that way is something that I'm just not sure we have an equivalent to in the U.S. You know, I think it's not quite the same as like oh, this restaurant was on diners, drive-ins, and dives, and so people are going to it now, you know? And so um, that's one of the things I love, you know, just this 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 manga and anime culture um, where, like Deb was talking about, it's just normalized, you know, it's not shunted into the category of something that's just for kids or just for, like, weird hobbyists. <laughs> mm-hmm. um,
4: and... Um, <laughs> You know, like, oh, so- yeah, we're not disputing it's necessarily weird <laughs> hobbyists, in addition of, to, of course, yeah. of
5: course, of course. Um, and I, you know, you know, the, the reason I love that manga, and and there, this is just like one small category of food manga, you know, but but Drops of God is one of these manga where everything is portrayed in this very like bombastic, over the top way, like, it t- kind of exists in this world of high stakes, competitive wine tasting, and like the pr- premise of it is that uh the the estranged son of Japan's most powerful wine critic um his father has just died and so the will stipulates that he has to compete in this kind of scavenger hunt against his father's protege to find these like 12 wines like travel across the world <laughs> um <laughs> and um you know it takes this subject which in the US i think oftentimes you know wine is treated as this kind of stuffy elitist sort of um pursuit um and it turns it into this sort of thrilling like razor's edge adventure um where these wine experts practically have like superhero powers you know where they'll take one sniff of wine and get transported into this psychedelic rock concert um and i just i just i just love that i i love Um, And it's sort of taken me down a path where like I've I've pursued other uh, manga um, that have explored, you know, not only food, other topics also, but certainly for me, um, food and beverage is one that has resonated with me a lot.
4: You know, Deb, I'm just loving this. Like the estranged son of Japan's <laughs> most important wine critic, um, is that like drawing on a trope in manga? Like this, you know, that you've got someone who's sort of starting at the bottom of a world and trying to work their way up for competitions, or is that just like is that just drops of God?
1: Oh no, that's that's a big part of manga. I mean, it's basically like shonen manga, which is for boys. Like a lot of the tropes of that is, you start out with a character who is ordinary, weak, short, you know, kind of, or you know, not, not what you would consider Michael being. Jordan in his sophomore yeah. year of high school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he just kind of like becomes, through a pro- process of you know, friendship and effort and you know, comp- competition, just becomes stronger and stronger and better and better, and that's just kind of the, you know, that's kind of the story arc, right? The hero's journey of these types of stories. And so, a chonin manga is for teenagers. But there's, um, people don't just grow out of manga. Manga grows with them. So, Sh- Drops of God, for example, is considered a seinen manga, which is for adults.
4: Mm. Mm. You know, um, I just wanted to say uh, a couple shout outs for Brock Sellers, uh, Martina on Discord writes, you know, I know zero things about manga, but love Brock Sellers. They collaborated <laughs> with singer Jenny Lewis on a red wine blend in 2014 that was wonderful. So clearly they have no aversion to pop cultural intersections. I think it's in this sort of mega happy version of globalization. You know, you get this, <laughs> you get this influence kind of bouncing across borders and, and somehow being amplified, you know, as it moves across the that boundary because Brock Cellars is a wonderful winery they make amazing wine but they may not even be the most prominent natural wine winery on their own block of Berkeley because they've got donkey and goat there too (laughs) so it's just kind of this like fascinating you know I I was just seeing it as this kind of loop of influence that was kind of um, lensing through through Japan Um, Deb uh, um, there is this element in Japanese cooking Where there's this incredible emphasis on excellence, like I think of like Jiro Dreams of Sushi, documentary people may have seen, is that also reflected in the manga that there is this, you know, um, emphasis on you know the perfection of like a single thing?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you see this in almost all of the the food and wine manga and even sake manga. It's kind of this. If you've ever been to Japan, you know that the food there is like very seasonal and regional. Like you go to a certain part of Japan, and there's it's known for yuzu, or this particular restaurant is known for its its amazing take on eel. And so you'll see these re- these places, these, com- these companies, these restaurants, these food companies that strive to make the very best, most original, most distinctive version of a dish. Mm. Like mm. The, their menu may only have one type of food, like just just yeah. chicken ramen, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but they'll just have a very amazing version of it. So they're trying to. I kind of think of it like a martial arts kind of thing where you are basically not just fight, not just competing against others, but you're competing with yourself to be the best version of yourself you can. And you look at all the factors that go into making something good yeah. and try to perfect it.
4: And we have a little clip from um, Anime Naruto about, you know, establishments that serve one thing, no exceptions. This is uh, customers being served dipping noodles Where's the soup? Oh, man, Uh, can I get some pork
2: slices and pickleball chips and some fish cake toppings, please?
4: Uh, sure, I suppose. What are you doing now? (laughs) (laughs) If I eat it like this, it's ramen. Quality
2: dipping noodles. You can't do that. But I want to eat ramen and you won't let me. Save your yelling for after you've sampled our noodles.
4: In this case, the customer is not right. Uh, we're talking about the Japanese art forms of manga and anime and the impact that they have on food culture and vice versa. We're joined by Luke Sai, food editor here at KQED Arts and Culture, and Deb Aoki, a journalist specializing in comics. We're going to be back with Cesar Hernandez, associate restaurant critic with the San Francisco Chronicle. Stay tuned for more. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the Japanese art forms of manga and anime and the impact they have on food culture and vice versa. We're joined by Luke Sai, because this is all you can eat, of course. He's our food editor here at KQED. We're also joined by Deb Aoki, a journalist specializing in comics, co-host of the podcast Manga-splaining, and she lives in Oakland. I want to add another voice into our conversation. Cesar Hernandez is the associate restaurant critic at the San Francisco Chronicle and a big anime fan. Welcome, Caesar.
3: Hi, thanks for having me.
4: So um, talk to me a little bit about how you got into anime as sort of just, you know, someone who's not Japanese and just kind of decided to get into it.
3: Yeah, so um, as a kid, there's a lot of Latinos really love anime, especially in Mexico. Uh, When I was a kid, I lived in Mexicali for a bit, so we were a little ahead on uh, the Dragon Ball Z dub. Uh, in Mexico. So I still, even even Dragon Ball, I have this like burned in image of Goku devouring all these rice bowls. Um, and it always made me hungry for rice. And, and usually it's like a static image with like lots of rice sort of, you know, going all over the place as he consumes all this. Uh, so that was one of sort of my first introductions with food and anime. But since then, I, you know, I got into food wars and. I remember the food from like Cowboy Bebop and you know all the Miyazaki Hayao Miyazaki films. Uh, so yeah,
4: it's oh, beautiful. Um, and we do have a clip from Food Wars in just a second, but we also want to know, you know, have you been inspired to cook or create foods that you've seen in manga? or anime you can give us a call 866-73-6786. i would not recommend cooking any of the foods from spirited away the miyazaki movie uh, the the number is 6786 the email is forum at kqed.org of course you can find us on twitter you can find us on the discord on instagram on threads we're kqed forum um, let's hear a little bit from uh, Food Wars. But first tell us, Caesar, what's like the plot line? How does Food Wars work?
3: So as mentioned, it's, a, it's another shonen. that's kind of a hero's journey uh, where they're trying to compete to be sort of like the best cook. Uh, and there's, you know, tournaments and, and things like that. But I think what's interesting about Food Wars is that it makes sort of food a, a really like main part of the plot. It's part of like the power scale and like the supernatural sort of like they can create, you know, these unheard of creations and they're armed with all these technical abilities from like French cooking to Japanese cooking and all sorts of. So I, I think this is one of those intersections where like food is a is main part of the story versus like, you know, uh, in Dragon Ball or, or Spirit Away, it's, it's it's like their devices are, are right. just like. Right, right, a right, trait. right,
4: right. Uh, let's hear this clip from the anime Food Wars where competitors vie to be the ultimate cook. Fluffy souffle omelets cooked up. No one's touched the ones I already put out. Oh man, now they've all fallen. The key to a souffle's texture is eating it right after it's made. Otherwise it deflates before anyone has a chance to eat it.
2: Soma Yukihira, it seems you finally get it. Well, that's just the difference between your skill level and mine. I guess this is where we must say Goodbye.
4: That was from the cutthroat world of Food Wars. Uh, let's not say goodbye, though, Caesar. Let's have you tell us, um, you know, how you see this anime in the context of, you know, kind of real-world food competitions. You know, I think people may be imagining or remembering Iron Chef, for example.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the the sort of, like, the stakes of it all is, is there, where, like, they're competing with each other and they have to, like, be adaptable and, and sort of, like make do what they have or like adapt to, maybe their opponent created something, you know, out of this world and they have to like, match it in some way. Uh, I think one of the images that sticks with me, it was this like rice bowl with like jellied broth that melts with the heat of the rice. And I still think about that as like, you know, as this, this image that I, I can't get out of my head. And, and now there's like YouTube channels that are trying to like recreate it. Like
1: if you get the manga, there's yeah. a recipe for it too, by the way. Oh, no kidding.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah,
5: And I and I would I just wanted to, to add to that, too, in talking about the sort of hero's journey that Deb was talking about before Soma, the protagonist in Food Wars, is this kind of scrappy underdog um, in contrast to a lot of the other students in this cooking school who had been trained in this sort of elite fine dining academy. He had learned cooking um, by working at his parents um, little like family diner. Um, and so, kind of like the plot of the story is like, can this kind of scrappy underdog diner chef um, win using kind of his improvisational style of cooking <laughs> that he learned from running his family business? Um, I mean,
4: yeah, yeah, I'm mean, He's like the street balling kid, you know, playing against the, yeah, the, the, those who have been training. Um, percent. yeah, uh, Deb, this, isn't the only kind of, like, food manga, though, right? There are other kind of sub-genres of, of this kind of work.
1: Yeah, actually, it's very interesting because if you think about it, there's several there's several words for it. There's, like, um, called ryori manga, which is, like, cooking, about cooking. There's tabe manga, which is about eating. <laughs> and then there's gurume manga, which is about gourmet dining. And there's nomi manga, which is about drinking. So it's amazing that there is not just food and cooking manga. It's several genres within the genre. So interesting. And Luke, I mean, here's a question. When we
4: talk about these cultural representations of food and we see them kind of getting popular for reasons that are sort of outside of the food itself, perhaps, do you Mm. think that's a good thing for food culture? Yeah, you know,
5: like I think about you know, sort of like the reverse impact of this. Like we're talking about uh, the impact that food has on manga and anime. And then you can also talk about manga and anime having an impact on local food culture, right? And so I think one way that you see that, which I'm less interested in, but you you do see a lot of anime aesthetics um, and sort of anime themed restaurants um, and food trucks in the Bay Area. Um, but I think more than that, you know and i think this is the part that i do think is good you know i think in the similar way that like k dramas are kind of like the primary cultural export for mm. korea and so you have a lot of people who for instance watched extraordinary um, attorney woo on netflix and then suddenly got very interested um in uh finding a place that could that, where they could get kimbap right or they learned about uh, Dalgona candy from watching Squid Game, you know? And I think uh, anime and and ma- manga is that cultural export for Japan. Mm. Um, and so, like, uh, you know, even even for non-food-specific anime, but, like, I think about, like, the figure skating... An- There's a figure skating anime called Yuri on Ice where the main character's favorite food is um, pork uh, bowls, you know, <laughs> Um And, like, I cannot watch that anime without getting this deep, deep craving for Katsudon Um, or like uh, this other uh, anime I love called Laid Back Camp, which is just about these girls who become friends with each other by going camping uh, during the winter time, um, is essentially a food anime because like half of each episode is just about what they're going to eat when they're out camping. And like, I have never seen a better advertisement for cup noodles um, (laughs) than than this anime, you know? And so like, of course, Japanese food is already pretty popular in the US. So it's hard for me to calculate like what percentage of certain specific like comfort food dishes becoming more well known and more in demand is because it's been seen in manga and anime. But I think it's definitely not zero. Like it's definitely like some amount of that is driving. You know, yeah. one
4: listener, um, Cesar, you're going to love this. Uh, one listener writes in to say, there are two things Mexico loves. It's food and Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> I, I, did, I did not try my first bowl of ramen until 2017 when I first moved from Torreon, Mexico, to San Jose, California, but I knew what it was from Dragon Ball Z. Now I'm a huge pho and ramen eater, and I'm trying to come up with a fusion dish of my own, maybe pozole plus ramen. I'm going to give it to you, listener, and then, Cesar, you can do uh, birria ramen That's it. I've actually had that in New Orleans, which just to add one more more stack to this uh, set of cultural influences and and geographies. Um, Caesar, I mean, that guy may be your new best friend. We probably should get you his email.
3: (laughs) Yeah, totally. I I mean, and I think that that's sort of like the fun part of like there's like this soft diplomacy of like food. Like I remember in the the 2010s when like Naruto had like really taken root with like the, the youth at the time and you know, and, and I, I grew up in Los Angeles and there was an anime expo and it was guaranteed that Little Tokyo would be overrun with, you know, anime fans, weebs, whatever you want to call them. And it was just like, I don't know, it's like this interesting, it's like sort of like advertising, like it works on you and it it it, it rouses you up and like gets you interested in this food that we've only known as perhaps like a packaged food and like now it's like a plated food. and I think that's the fun thing about like seeing this in real life and I, I, I'm with Luke. I think it, there's no way it had no effect.
4: Yeah. Let's. There,
5: there's... Oh, go ahead. Uh, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, talking about subgenres of food manga, there's a whole genre of food manga that I like to call basically modern-day Japanese food is the greatest food in the world. Like, that's what, <laughs> literally a genre, right? And often there's a fantasy element. You know, so for example, there's a manga called Otherworldly Izakaya Nobu, which is like through so- some sort of warp in time and space a Japanese izakaya is transported into like this medieval Germanic village. And the whole series is just villagers trying Japanese pub dishes like uh, ch- chicken karage and having their minds completely blown. <laughs> um, like this past summer, there was an anime in this genre that was called Reborn as a Vending Machine, I Now Wander the Dungeon. It was a literally... <laughs> Uh, uh, anime where the main character is a vending machine enthusiast who gets reincarnated as a literal vending machine (laughs) in this like Dungeons and Dragons style (laughs) fantasy world and each episode he might introduce his companions to like Japanese sports beverages or like vending machine ramen. Um, and not only is it delicious, but it also helps them to
4: like defeat various monsters. <laughs> oh, this- my God. I love it. I can see your, your clothes are exploding off with excitement. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, modern day Japanese food is the greatest food in the world as a as a genre. I mean, now what we need is modern-day Mexican food is the greatest food uh, in the world. I
1: would absolutely read that manga. I Um, think there definitely needs to be more food comics out there. Yeah. It just feels like, though, the the one thing I really love about the Japanese manga is a lot of it's in black and white. But you read it, and it still makes you hungry. (laughs) It's like, wow, how did they do that? How did they make a black and white picture of a dish look absolutely mouthwatering?
3: I love that. I also um, feel like anime is, like, in a special position where exposition is cool, like, it's fine, and you have all these moments for, like, a chef essentially to explain these dishes. Uh, and I, I think it just sort of deepens the appreciation for a lot of the food that they're depicting.
4: Right. Like, we, I, I feel like even in a modern-day graphic novel, it would be difficult to just be like, and here's a recipe for the thing you just saw on the previous page, right? Like, that, and it, maybe they would do that, but I feel like it would be pretty rare.
1: Well, there are some, in some of these food manga, that, um, like in, in Food Wars, for example, some of the dishes are really sophisticated, right? Like they get into molecular gastronomy, they get into smoking, they get into making cheese. And then what they do is that they actually do work with a food consultant to make simplified versions of some of these dishes that you can cook at home. So interesting.
4: Um, we have a little clip from Naruto. It's about how to appreciate ramen. Let's listen to it.
5: You forgot the cardinal rule of trying out a new type of ramen for the first time.
2: Step one, try the soup. Get to know the lay of the land. Awesome! Awesome. Step two, swim the noodles in the broth, then taste. Mm -hmm. Mm
4: -hmm. Hold on. Tastes like it needs something more. The party's over, guys. The
5: noodles are outclassed by the soup! Uh? The soup is rich and full of flavor, well healed. With this, you've taken Ichiraku's ramen to the next level. However,
6: the noodles are the same, the usual. And you know they're never going to see eye to eye. I cannot give it a passing score.
0: I figured you would say that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is... I mean, you know, there's a theatricality to it, right? Which um, you have to sort of understand that as part of the form but that also Luke, like that kind of also exists in like food and beverage tasting right the, the theatricality yeah like I'm, I'm at, you know you're like you're swirling the wine and you're you know sniffing like there is like a a set of actions that are done in a ritualistic way yeah absolutely and, and i think like um
5: one of the things that anime and manga do is um uh, render that um so beautifully and in a way that people can emotionally connect to you know one one things i was thinking about too um you know that that deb alluded to is like why don't we have more sort of food comics or food like sort of animated shows um like this in the u.s um compared to japan and i think like there are a lot of reasons and part of it has to do with like the comics comics culture that we've been talking about earlier um, part of it, too, I wonder, and I don't want to speak authoritatively to, but I wonder if there's a certain part of it that has to do with Japanese, uh, the Japanese having a, a little bit more of um, a uh, unified food culture or kind of like cohesive food culture um, than we do. Um, and so, uh, like, in a lot of these um, anime or manga, you'll see certain dishes um, that are presented that have a, a, a very nostalgic appeal. Um, oftentimes it's, like, things like uh, k- Japanese curry rice um, or ramen. Um, or omelet and rice, like, right? Like- yeah, o- o- omu rice. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that can be a visual shorthand um, that can speak very powerfully to, like, a broad swath of oh, Japanese people, yeah. um, and I feel like it, there there isn't quite you know like it's not quite like what are we like to to portray like a Berber or something like that doesn't quite I think have the same resonance for the majority of American people.
1: I think also to American American readers are pretty limited in like in general in thinking what comics are, uh, and so that's when manga came into the into the world. It started kind of like. Awakening people to like, oh, comics can be about lots of things and comics mm-hmm. can be for boys and girls and men and women, you know, and it can be so much more than just, you know, Spider-Man, right? But uh, even there's, I forgot to mention, there's actually a Superman manga out there now called Superman Meshi. It's basically about Superman going to Japan. And discovering Japanese chef. food, okay. <laughs> and just just chowing down on Japanese food. It's available now from DC Comics, and um, you can you can read it online.
4: That is so interesting. I mean, it it does strike me that our comic culture is pretty basic, but our graphic novel culture is like you know multivalent and has has the capacity to contain this stuff. I think, Luke, but but maybe just kind of doesn't have the history or legacy of incorporating food in quite the same way?
5: I think so, you know, and I think, you know, I, I don't, I, again, I can't speak authoritatively other than just knowing, uh, having a lot of friends who, who uh, draw comics and who are in that industry. Um, but for instance, you know, I talk to friends and like there's a tremendous um, pressure, I think, for a lot of folks to market their comics In the young adult category um, Mm. or or the kids category, if they want to touch on these sort of different kinds of themes, um, uh, because they're seen as being like that, that's a market um, that you can kind of explore a lot of different topics right now. Um, But if it's for adults um then that's like a much narrower market you know and i and mm-hmm. i and i think it's it's just tough um i think i think you're right like there are we do have comics about all different topics you know and very adult um topics uh but we don't see a lot of those being the sort of mainstream crossover hits the way that we do um right. manga and anime yeah
2: we're talking but about Oh,
4: one sec, one sec. We got to just take it out to the break here. We're talking about the Japanese art forms and manga and anime and the impact they have on food culture, vice versa. Joined by Cesar Hernandez, associate restaurant critic at the San Francisco Chronicle, big anime fan. Joined by Deb Aoki, a journalist specializing in comics who co-hosts the podcast Manga Splaining and Luke Sai, of course, food editor here at KQED Arts and Culture because this is all you can eat our bi-weekly exploration of food cultures. We're going to get to more calls and comments uh, after the break. Have you been inspired to cook or create foods you've seen in manga or anime? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. The email is forum at kqed.org. You can find us on all the social things or our Discord. We're KQED Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the Japanese art forms of manga and anime and the impact they have on food culture and vice versa. Manga, just for reference, that's the printed stuff. Uh, anime, that is the moving pictures. Uh, we're joined by Luke Sai, food editor with KQED Arts and Culture. Deb Aoki, a journalist specializing in comics, co hosts the podcast Manga Splaining and an artist as well. Had a comic strip called Bento Box in the Honolulu Star advertiser. And we're joined by Cesar Hernandez, associate restaurant critic with The Chronicle and a big uh, anime fan. Um, we have some comments about. Um, and about ramen uh, mostly uh but first caesar as an anime fan we know that the dubbing is controversial it's difficult (laughs) for us as a radio program to show uh, to not dub um what's your what's your take on that or how do you like kind of perceive that uh that in the world
3: oh god i'm gonna i'm gonna make some people angry but i mean i grew up you know as i said I, I grew up watching anime in mexico so a lot of it was in spanish for me and then eventually english i am a pre i am an appreciator of it all i can get down with a dub that i think is pretty good like full metal alchemist or you know i think it just depends sort of like the budget for certain uh recording studios mm-hmm. and I, it just sort of you know i think i think a, a miyazaki film in, in english can be good and other times, it's
4: not. Yeah, so, yeah.
3: Deb, it, it, it sort of depends. Deb, I
4: know that you're mostly a manga person. Is does, What do you think?
1: I'm a sub person all the way. <laughs> <laughs> just because I'm, I'm always trying to learn Japanese. Mm-hmm. So it's a way for me to learn the language as well.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Luke, we'll just go around the horn. Everybody gets to state their <laughs> position. So the next time you go to the convention, people can accost you with your opinions.
5: Yeah, I'm I'm also 100% subs. Um I think that uh, on occasion there are dubs that are really good, but it can be pretty hit or miss. And I just think that there is something lost sometimes with with the dub where um when you hear it in the original language um and with the intonation um that the creator of the work originally intended. Um, I think that there's sometimes just levels of depth that sometimes are lost, um, in the translation, um, when, when you dub it, I mean, I think, but of course that's a whole art. And so there are amazing dubs out there, but I just don't know that the majority of them are that way. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Also, uh, you know, easier to screenshot for your, uh, Instagram. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, uh, yeah. Subtitles, subs, they're, they're controversial, but it is radio. We could not have subtitled these, so that's why we did it that way. Um, let's bring in Steve in San Francisco. Welcome, Steve.
6: Hey, good morning. Thank you very much.
4: Yeah. Tell us about your uh, a big fan your of food wars. Yeah.
6: Absolutely. I'm a huge fan of food wars. And uh, my friends and I sometimes have very informal uh, cooking competitions. And one of these competitions, we had to feature potatoes. And I was remembering the very first episode of Food Wars where Soma made a fake pork roast using bacon wrapped around potato that he had seasoned in special ways. So I made mashed potatoes that were, uh, let's say, inspired by that. I baked my bake and it caught the drippings and I won't tell you the rest. It's a long, long process, but I got second place. And a very nice little metal. <laughs> which I,
4: I love that um you said it's informal. Then you described that's the process and then there was an actual medal involved.
6: <laughs> Absolutely. My friend who sets these up, she's she's um let's just say that's the only real formal part. There is judging. Got and uh, we hold them in a bar and everyone in the bar gets a taste. So she makes you make at least fifty servings of whatever it is and you have to uh, keep it under a certain amount of money. So I say it's informal, but she has rules.
3: Oh my God. Wow.
4: That is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Wow. In honor of you, uh, of of that amazing thing, um, we are going to play a clip from Food Wars. This one is really about not fantastic sounding food, or at least interesting sounding food that you were describing, but that sometimes the food, the joke is that the food is gross.
3: Peanut butter squid pickled in coffee with peppermint sauce, served habanero, sweet and sour pork style.
4: Oh, no,
1: no, 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 thank you!
3: Come on, don't be shy.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: what do you say, a new level of gross, huh?
4: You're welcome! <laughs>
1: Yikes. <laughs> I would <wanna laughs> say what's not coming through in that audio yeah. in that audio clip. Is the tentacles. Ooh. Ooh. Are they moving? Yeah. It's like it's... Because what he's serving his friend is this grilled uh, squid or octopus with peanut butter. And then in the... Much like in Drops of God, like to show what it tastes like, they make this visual metaphor. Mm. So in this case, it's like the tentacles of the octopus are like, you know squeezing the girl and like you know she's going like ew this is terrible oh <laughs> yeah, right
4: right talk to us a little bit more about like what is a, a crucial it's not even just a trope it's like a crucial part of the mechanics of these publications and and shows is that reaction shot yeah
1: oh sure i mean that's what makes food wars a shown in manga right? it's it's for teenage boys so i mean that's the primary and it's of course both girls boys adults you know read it but it's that um, that's one of the key things about Food Wars is that when you taste something that's really delicious your clothes explode off you and if it's just not quite that delicious you still have your underwear on
4: <laughs> what do you I mean we understand this to be something that is, is made for a particular audience but like Cesar like what do you make of that like are you kind of like well I could do without the this kind of level of sexualization or do you see it as just kind of like baked into what the thing is
3: Wow. I mean, I think it's it's definitely ridiculous, but it's sort of like, I mean, it's campy in a lot of ways. Like it's it's why you go to it for some reasons. But it's also like, yeah, of course, it's 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 like misogynistic in some ways. Like there's a lot of uh, epiphantic, you know, a lot of like ecstasy going on, which for sure it can be like it's called fan service. A lot of the times where like people become like it's often women become naked based on, you know, uh, whatever reaction that they have, and I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not in it for that. I just sort of like the wackiness of it all. Uh,
1: I mean, Food Wars, to be fair, is an equal opportunity fan service thing because it's not just the girls who close it. It's like old men. It's
4: <laughs> everybody, so everybody,
1: right. everybody. reacts with this state of ecstasy. So it's like you, it. Food Wars knows this, and then just plays it for laughs. Yeah,
5: yeah. I, I mean, to your point, Alexis, I feel like you know food wars i would describe it as like a problematic fave you know i I think that it's it's um it's not really something that i would casually recommend to a stranger much less over you know live radio which i guess is what (laughs) which i guess is what we're doing um but yeah i mean there is that aspect of it which is like um Certainly not all anime and manga has that component, um, but it is a very manga and anime thing that some of them do have. And I think your level of comfort with that, your mileage with that is just going to vary, you know? So I think with something like Food Wars, you can just watch like the first episode. um, And if you're into it, you're into it. But if it makes you uncomfortable It's gonna continue to be
4: that way yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, yeah it's not gonna not gonna <laughs> okay we have one uh, other cup for uh, cut from naruto this is really about um how that reaction can can go over the top
1: right here you go dumplings for
2: two <laughs> these look tasty let's see let's see <gasps> down the hat mm-hmm. oh. <clears throat> Oh, that is good. The sauce is out of this world <laughs> not too sweet, not too salty. Mm, what a
1: masterpiece Oh, that hit the spot, huh?
4: That was the otherworldly experience of eating the perfect dumpling, as seen in Naruto. I mean, one of the things this gets at for me at least and and you know Luke and Caesar as food critics, this kind of guess is that there there is like a pure. Bodily pleasure to eating amazing food that is different from, you know, sex, of course But there's a reason why there's that meme that's like, yeah, you know, but <laughs> there there there's reasons why sex and food are compared
3: sure. I, I also think like, you know, it's it's a it's a cartoon in, in a lot of ways like it's an anime So it's got to be over the top in the way that like, you know, the Looney Tunes were over the top But I will say I think a lot of foodie culture borrows from that like over the top representation of like eating this because i mean the thing is there's diminishing returns when you do that all the time like not everything can be as amazing and you know i think that they just sort of take the, the liberties of like this can be the the perfect embodiment of this food and we can represent it with over the top you know gestures and react
1: i mean i would say like not all of these like what the one that Examples where like Naruto and Food Wars are basically aimed at teenage boys pr- as a primary audience. Mm-hmm. So, if, of course, they're going for like this kind of funny and like over the top thing. But a lot of the food, manga, food and wine manga that we're talking about, you know, like what did you eat yesterday? Yeah, um, tell us tatsuka. more about that one. You know, yeah. it's, more, um, it's more for grownups. And so mm-hmm. it's not as over the top, but it is very serious about its food, but in a fun way. Mm. Yeah, tell us tell us more about
4: what did you eat yesterday.
1: Oh my god, I love what did you eat. <laughs> what did you eat yesterday is by Fumi Yoshinaga. She is the creator of Ooku, which is uh, the anime on Netflix right now. But it's about a gay couple in their thirties, I think forties. One is a closeted uh, lawyer, one is a hairdresser, and they they live together, and they basically make delicious food to get, you know feed each other. Like, and they but what's really fun about this is that you can actually cook along with them. And they make full menus, and they're very conscious about making it both healthy and inexpensive. I've actually cooked a couple of things from What Did You Eat Yesterday, and it's really great. But I think what's the other thing that's neat about it is that it, woven throughout this story, is, and it's like up to 15 volumes, you can see what these two people go through as gay Mm. men in Japan, where Mm. gay marriage is not legal
4: right right it's a uh, fascinating and that does that feels adult that feels like it's got heavy themes but also you know the the small happy moments of life with a partner like that does seem like to be you know in a different realm from you know the the, the more teen focused things um
5: and i can i also make uh, another recommendation Alexis? yeah um so this one is called sweetness and lightning um, and you know, I I recommend it. The nice thing about it, it's it's both a uh, anime um, that you can watch, and it's also a manga. The whole series is just available in twelve slim volumes, so you don't have to feel like you're committing to like One Piece or something like that. You can you can read the whole thing um, in the course of a weekend, and it's a story of a school teacher who, after his wife dies, um, he's been sort of just trying to get by and serving. Um, packaged foods and convenience store foods to his four-year-old daughter, um, Tsumugi, Um, and the story is basically about how with the help of one of his students, he and his daughter sort of learn the value of sharing a home-cooked meal. Um, And so it's, it's really a story about how food is this vehicle for healing and for bringing people together. Um, and and what I love about it is every chapter uh, takes you step by step through the preparation of a dish, but like very naturally, huh. um, just as part of the story. And it and it ends with a recipe. Um, the recipes really work. Like the first time like I made, you've cooked it, yeah. The first time I made omu rice. Um, the first time I made oyakodon, uh, the chicken and egg rice, um, were uh, I think from uh, the recipe from the huh. manga. Um, and the other thing I love about it is uh the four-year-old girl tsumugi um she just makes the most uh precious faces whenever <laughs> she experiences some new delicious thing like it, it's just one of the 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 most adorable things in all of manga and again <laughs> it, it's it's uh it's very much a story that adults can appreciate uh but my um uh 11 year old daughter also um read this manga and and um, and appreciate it. So it's, it's sort of like for everyone and very much the anti food wars as far as <laughs> the way that that particular theme is dealt with.
4: Yeah. Um, Deb, where would you recommend people go to get uh, manga? Like if they want to find, you know, not just the, the, you know, highlights and super popular ones, but they want sweetness and lightning or what did you eat yesterday?
1: Well, I mean, on the good news, manga is the number three best-selling book category in North America today. So manga is pretty easy to find. You can go to any chain um, bookstore like Barnes & Noble. If you're lucky enough to live in San Francisco, there's a Kinokuniya, which has an amazing manga selection. Um, and on Mangasplaining.com, we have a list of food manga that you might want to try. I would say, like, for the foodies on, who are listening to the show, I would recommend Oishinbo the gourmet, which is, I think it's like 8 or 12, and it focuses on different aspects of Japanese cuisine. So you'll get one about izakaya food, you'll get one about vegetables, one about rice. The sake one is really fascinating, by the way. Oh, How come? Uh, It taught me a lot about what sake is and how sake is made. And I previously didn't really like sake because it kind of tasted boozy to me. And it explained to me that... um, uh, you know, the history of sake where they would, you know, put in extra liquor versus, rather than just the pure uh, fermented rice. Mm. Uh, and so, like, when I went to Japan again and I had the real sake from a, from a real brewery, like, it was fresh and um, just alive, like, wine is alive, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is it. <laughs> I've been drinking the wrong thing all my life.
4: Um, there's quite a conversation happening over on the Discord about people's kind of favorite depictions of food. I'll just throw uh, a few at you here. Japanese animator and director Shinichiro Watanabe is so good at making me hungry. I love a ragtag band of adventurers scarfing their meals. The food scenes in Samurai Champloo are insane. Uh, Marlena cool. on Dis- Discord writes, uh, Mei and Satsuke lunches and garden veggies from Totoro and Kiki's breakfast from Kiki's delivery service. Either of those uh, hit for you, Caesar?
3: So, uh, it's a different Miyazaki film. Spread It Away, I think, is one of my favorites because food is like an allegory. It's like a, sort of how we enter the rabbit hole uh, mm-hmm. of the story. And it's also like one of the thematic, like, theme- of you know, like greed and like, there's like this spirit forest who has like this voracious hunger and can eat anything. Uh, that's my favorite. And that's those, I think those images like are still like tattooed on my brain.
4: Yeah, absolutely. They, the parents, for, for those who no, don't know, this kind of family is like moving and they wander into this place and there's a town and this food has all been left there. And then the parents start eating it and they turn into pigs. It's actually. Um, I, I find that scene one of the most terrifying scenes in like all of cinema <laughs> actually. Um, Luke, do you, wanna, uh, do you wanna shout out any, any particular um, a, a anime foods in particular like that?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think um, Mi- Miyazaki is great. The ones that um, the reader um, submitted are great. I think there are so many, you know, uh, even within Kiki's delivery service, there's also um, this fish pie that, that she makes Um, lovingly with these two grandmothers um, and then delivers it to, um, you know, this young girl, you know, just in time. And then the young girl actually rejects it and says like, oh, my grandma just made this like disgusting pie again. And so um, food in that instance is like serving as a vehicle to show the disconnection that the characters have with each other. Um, So it can be kind of portrayed both ways. Um, But I'll just shout out laid back camp again, you know, that winter camping Mm -hmm. anime just has Mm -hmm. some of the my favorite food scenes um, in all of anime, you know, and and it's and it's just it belongs to this genre of anime called Yashike, which is like soothing and healing anime. So it's just like cozy characters doing cozy things with (laughs) extremely low stakes um, uh, conflict. And, and especially during the pandemic, um, the height of the pandemic, that was just exactly what I needed. That is
4: perfect. Laid back camp. We've been talking about manga and anime and the impact they have on food culture and vice versa. Thank you so much to our guests, Luke Sai, food editor at KQED Arts and Culture. Thanks, Luke. Thank you, Alexis. Deb Aoki, Oakland-based journalist specializing in comics who co-hosts the podcast Manga Explaining. Thank you, Deb. Thank you, Alexis. And Cesar Hernandez, associate restaurant critic with the San Francisco Chronicle. Thanks so much, Cesar. Thanks. We're going to take you out with the theme song from Food Wars. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim.
2: Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation.